Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode number 275 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be connecting with you this week. And I think you're really going to like this episode. You know, I hear about attachment styles all the time. So many of you have read the book Attached or books like it that talk about attachment styles. And I think they can be a really powerful tool for healing and for learning about ourselves. And then from that place, shifting and growing and healing. But I also think sometimes these kinds of personality quizzes and other things I'll talk about this more in the outro, but I think sometimes it can actually hold us back and prevent us from getting clear on what it is we actually need so that we can heal and grow and shift our relationship patterns. And that's exactly what we do together in my call with Sabrina today. So this coaching call was a little bit longer than I normally do for these episodes. So I'm going to keep this intro super short and we are going to jump right to it. Hi, Sabrina. Welcome to the show. How can I help? Hey, um, thank you for this. Um, I really struggle with attachments, I guess. I'm a secure to anxiously secure attached person, and I'm really, really attracted to avoidantly attached people. And it makes for a lot of relationship drama, which I think is um, partly rooted in my family of origin. My sister um, was diagnosed as an adult with uh, bipolar disorder, and it explains a lot of behavior in the family, you know, when we were children, I think I'm just um, uh, comfortable in a chaotic environment. (laughs) And even though I, um, you know, I realize it's not healthy or, or necessarily what I want, it definitely is my comfort zone. And, you know, more, um, less dramatic relationships feel a little unsettling to me. I feel like, when is the other shoe going to drop? Or, you know, is this all we do is sit on the couch and watch TV? (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's where I'm really struggling right now. I haven't been dating or anything because of COVID, but now that people are getting vaccinated and I'm vaccinated and, and, and the spring is here, it feels like it's time to maybe start approaching that again. And I just, I don't, I want to go into it kind of fresh. Yeah. 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 I totally, I totally hear that. Tell me more about how you identify with being anxiously attached. What kind of role does saying I'm anxiously attached, how does that play out? Well, I really find it, it's mostly in response to these avoidant people that I'm interested in. Like I recently took an attachment test 
and I scored secure. And I feel like I, I, I did a lot of work recently and like looking at all my past relationships and what the attachment styles were in each of those relationships. And I was pretty secure in a lot of them, but like as like my marriage that just ended as he got, he was an alcoholic and as he got more and more into drinking and his behavior got more volatile, I got, I got pretty anxiously attached because um, of all the back and forth and how my, what do you mean you got anxiously attached? What does that mean? um, Like uh, codependent almost like, like needing him, like just uh, needing him, like not being able to needing um, him to not being able to imagine my life without him, even though my life with him was really miserable. Mm -hmm. What did you need him to do? Or what did you need him for? Well, what I wanted out of him is different than what I needed him for. Right. Like, um, well, we were, we'd been married for a long time. So I was attached to the idea of staying married and we had small children together. And I felt like I was looking at the choice of two crappy lives, either single parenting, because I figured he'd be out of the picture once he left versus being able to stay home with my kids a little bit longer when they were younger, um, even though I was in a pretty miserable situation. And then the finances of it too scared me, kept me there. And um, beyond the logistics of that, I mean, I understand that's real. I don't mm -hmm. want to downplay that at all, but beyond the logistics of that, like you said, I needed him and I really want to get to what you needed him for. Well, that's that, I guess, security. Mm -hmm. And, um, also not wanting to be twice divorced, not wanting to have made the wrong choice. Okay. So if meaning like if you got divorced, that would have meant you made the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And so what did all of that, like, what did you make all of that mean? You know, twice divorced, making a wrong choice. what do you make that mean? I, I, I don't know how to answer the question in the way you're asking it, but the thought that the word that comes to mind when you say that is perfectionist. Like mm -hmm. I just had to force the puzzle piece that didn't fit into the puzzle just to complete the puzzle. Yeah. And I have to be perfect because. Cause I have to, that's me. <laughs> Why is that you? Um, I mean, which is weird because I really, I, um, I'm totally okay with asking for help. I totally, um, I laugh at my mistakes and I, um, you know, I tell people funny stories about how, you know, stupid things I've done. So it, um, my drive to perfectionism is a little confusing to me, <laughs> this duality within. Yeah. So it ex exists in some areas of your life, but then not in others. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to go in a little of a limb here sure. and it might lead us somewhere. It might not, um, but we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Were you told when you were younger, like, were you told like, oh, you are this kind of person or you're that kind of person? Were you told that when you were younger? I don't think so. My dad is, um, is a perfectionist and um, he would make blanket statements, not about me personally or my sisters personally, but just like, you know, you should never be late, you know, or there's a, um, you know, there might be an explanation, but there's no excuse, you know, things like that. To mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the reason, to perfectionist the reason, let me mindset. tell you the reason why I asked and then, sure. and then you can see, you know, what resonates. So actually the first place my mind went to when you, when you asked your question about being anxiously attached and I'm, and I'm assuming you're referring to the book attached. You've read that. This is where all this information is coming from. Um, I haven't read attached yet. I, okay. um, I read wired. Okay. Okay. And I've done a lot of work in this. Area. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And so here's something that I'm noticing. So, and you've said it a couple different ways. So one, you're just like, I'm anxiously attached. Mm -hmm. or I'm a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm this, I'm that I have to be perfect. And so sometimes something that can be blocking us from changing our pattern is that we are one and the same with whatever we're saying we are. So for example, like you're not saying like, I have anxious attachment tendencies. You're saying I am anxiously attached and that's not just semantics. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, yes, I do. Okay. So does anything come up for you when I say that? I want the label because I feel like I have a lot of 
difficulty in relationship. And this is all relationships, not just romantic ones, Mm -hmm. because I'm very malleable and very willing to compromise with the other person to the point where I might not get my own needs met. Like Mm -hmm. I had a lot of struggles um, with my children when they were in their teens, um, enforcing boundaries and, and things because, because I wanted, I wanted negotiation, not rules and ultimatums. And I feel like that section of our lives could have been a lot better if I just had a rule and stuck to it. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, going into this new phase of my life, I want to, um, I want to have some guidelines I can run by so that I don't feel like I'm, that I'm on some kind of path and not constantly veering off the path or, or um, constantly making compromises to the point where I'm not getting my needs met. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree with that. I do think that it's wise to have, I mean, obviously, I mean, I've talked about on the show all the time, boundaries are a mm-hmm. good thing. <laughs> um, they're really, really good. And for, I mean, there's always like, you know, you can have too much of anything, but for the most part, for most people listening on this show, like you can't have too many boundaries. Now, of course there's going to be exceptions, but, but I'm wondering though, how saying like, I'm anxiously attached or I'm a perfectionist, I'm this, I'm that. And I don't want to be that. Like, I don't want to be divorced. I don't want to Mm -hmm. do that. Like, how does that, how does that serve you? Up to this, up to you asking me this right now, I feel like it was serving me in that way. It was disgusting where it gives me some like bumper rails and the bowling alley so that my ball isn't going all over the place you know right how does it give you those bumper rails can you give me an example I I, you know I don't know about the perfectionist part because like if my I was having coffee with my best friend right now and she asked me am I a perfectionist I'd be like no look at look at my kitchen floor like I haven't slept in a week right um well perfectionism can show up (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) so um I know I have this like underlying level of being very hard on myself. I don't know that I would tell most people or anybody that I'm a perfectionist, but just with you in this conversation right now, it was just the word that came up in response to the question you asked me. So I don't know really how to answer that part of it. Um, As to um, the other things, like I'm securely attached or I'm anxiously attached, then I, I feel like it's in that um, way of like knowing yourself so that you know, can know what you want and what you're looking for and what will be a good match for you. So I feel like if knowing that I'm have a tendency towards anxious attachment and I don't want the drama that comes with the push pull of the um, avoidant anxious interaction, then um, I want to look for somebody who's, not avoidantly attached (laughs) or, you know, um, at least has some uh, good communication skills about what they need as an avoidant person and space and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't remember who said this. It might've been Tony Robbins. I'm not a huge Tony Robbins fan, so I'm not like super thrilled that I might be quoting him, but he does say something (laughs) smart. (laughs) And that is what you focus on grows. Mm -hmm. And I still stand by what I think, I think that you're overly attached to being <laughs> anxiously attached. And I'm not saying you don't have anxious attachment tendencies, although according to the quizzes, you know, you're secure, but like, there's still this desire and you like, no, like this is who I am. <laughs> yeah. And can you feel a difference of like, you know, doing inner child work or doing some sort of like internal healing, this kind of work. And you're like, I'm anxiously attached versus I have anxious attachment tendencies. Can you feel the difference in energy? Oh yeah, totally, totally. And I, I would say when I think about myself, or like I said, I just I recently did that work of looking at all my relationships and what the attachment style was in each of them. I feel like I don't put that label on myself. I feel like I said that to you right now because I had to succinctly define my problem. Right, but then also you did tell me that previously in our conversation, you did tell me that you want the label. Because it gives you those bumper rails. True. But let me ask you, let me ask you. I feel okay. So I don't feel attached to the label. I feel like that's just my guideline. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Sure, sure. Who are you in a relationship? And you can also answer this aspirationally too. 
that's really hard to answer because I feel like I feel like I'm in between right now. Like I've been separated for almost five years, but only divorced for like a couple months. Okay. And, so let me ask you another question. Tell me just who you are. Who is Sabrina? Who is Sabrina in relationship? Just not necessarily relationship. Uh, oh God, that's too big. I can't, <laughs> I can't answer that succinctly enough. Um <sighs> I am, I feel like I'm a pretty solid, calm person. I feel like I'm a really good partner. I'm always willing to listen and negotiate when things feel uncomfortable. I go out of my way to make sure my partner's needs are met. And I, again, I'm saying this not romantically, but like even with my children or, or friends, like I check in and make sure that I'm not overusing the relationship. <laughs> um, I, um, at work, I go the 110%. So I guess I am a giver. I'm a negotiator. I'm a, um, see here I am labeling myself again. <laughs> um, and um, I'm a, a hoper or a dreamer. I like to look towards the future and imagine the future and imagine the different possibilities for the future. Mm -hmm. And then one thing I always say I am, is I'm a puzzle solver. Like I really like to um, like with my marriage, like I really lingered for a long time past what I think a lot of people would have stayed in there for, because I really wanted to try all the different ways we could possibly make it work before I could decide that it was really over. Mm-hmm. So, um, what about being the receiver? How does that feel? It's hard. I'm getting better at it, but it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, what you were describing to me when I was listening to you, who you are and who you are in a relationship, like it sounded really exhausting to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, it sounds exhausting to be in a relationship <laughs> because, yeah. You, probably get some sort of purpose, identity, sense of self, sense of role in a relationship mm-hmm. and that feels safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my love, like let's use more other codifications. I'm my love language is um, acts of service. So to me, loving somebody is doing something for them. So yeah, it's exhausting. And sometimes the doing the thing isn't sweeping the floor or washing their car for them, but the doing the thing is listening to them talk until midnight, even though I've been up since five o'clock in the morning. So, um, so yes. Well, boundaries are good, but yeah. also, <laughs> also love language is, is also like what your partner does for you. Right. <laughs> what you mm-hmm. do for your partner. Right. But um, again, it's knowing yourself before you go out there and try to partner with somebody else. Yeah. Okay. So I think the first thing that would be really helpful is I still stand by what I think or what I originally thought. And I think that you will have a lot of benefit by noticing when you attach yourself to, I am this, I am that. Mm -hmm. Because I think that unconsciously, consciously, maybe a little bit of both, you know, when you're like, oh man, I'm anxiously attached. And so I know the tendency then is to attract an avoidant person. And that's what you're like zeroed in on. Like I just, you know, confirmation bias, universe, whatever it is, I just find that's what you're going to be attracting. I hear what you're saying, but I I feel like there's um, a deeper piece to it in that I am it's not just what I'm attracting. And so that's what I end up dating. It's it's, I really, there's something about it that I really like. I really like having the space from them (laughs) or I really like when they come back, you know, like when they come back, it feels like a little win. So. Yes. Yes. And we haven't talked about inner child work, which we're going to get to. (laughs) So what are you playing out in this dynamic? I I don't know. So far I just called it like winning or being rewarded. And to me, that's part of my sexual desire, you know? So I haven't really thought of it beyond that. Okay. Okay. So go ahead and do this. Close your eyes. Yeah. Close your eyes for Mm -hmm. me. 
And when you think about, you know, how you feel in relationships, wanting to give, wanting to win, I'm going to ask a question. It might seem a little weird, but I just want whatever number pops in the head. How old do you feel? How old do I feel? Mm-hmm. 38. Okay. Let's go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. What does this remind you of? This, these dynamics, these feelings that you're feeling when you're trying to get the win or you're trying to get their love, get their attention. What does that remind you of? Ugh, this is so gross. <laughs> I don't like this. Um, it reminds me of being a kid. As soon as I could write, like um, I would, um, if I got punished, um, I would write my uh, parents' letters. Like, I know you don't love me, but, you know, <laughs> and it feels like that to me. Okay. And why were you writing letters like that to your parents? Well, if I, um, if I got, you know, punished, like sent to my room or, or whatever. Okay. Time out. What? I, I don't know if I, you know, got time out or sent to my room or, you know, whatever. Okay. And did you, did you really not feel loved? Like what was the situation there? I don't think so. Cause I really, um, I really feel pretty good about my relationship with my parents and my upbringing and stuff. I, I, you know, I don't feel like I felt unloved by them ever. I think it was um, a test, like confirming, like, you know, like me writing that letter saying, I know you don't love me, expecting that they would say, of course, I love you. I'll always love you. And then that was just my test to confirm what I knew was true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting to me because that kind of sounds like the winning <laughs> from your adult relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm just kind of curious where that insecurity of, you know, do my parents really love me? You know, and I know that your sister wasn't diagnosed with bipolar mm-hmm. when she was younger, but I'm just wondering how, you know, if there was something there, like how that was just playing out in the family dynamic. Because sometimes it's not necessarily like, oh, I didn't feel love with my parents. My parents didn't love me. You know, obviously, like if that was the feeling, then, you know, of, of course that will create some patterns as an adult, which can play out in a number of ways. But even if there was just, you know, if, if she, you know, again, I don't know what, was going on, but if there was like any kind of behavior issues on her end where her, where your parents had to like, maybe give more attention to her than you, even though you knew that they loved you, but like, there was that kind of dynamic going on. Mm -hmm. There could be like a little bit like, Hey, I'm over here. Like, love me, give me attention. You know, that could have been the dynamic. Um, So I'm just wondering like what else was going on other than like, again, you know, your parents loved you, but there was clearly something deeper going on as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. And I I see where you're coming from. And I see that we make decisions when we're little like that based on the information we have at the time. And the information we have is incomplete. But we kind of run through life with that as our filter, right? And everything right. gets filtered through that. And I, I get what you're saying. I also have done a lot of work. And I am at an adult place where I can see, like, yes, you you might've felt unloved because your parents were paying attention to your sister or the baby, you know, but you know, cause you're a mother yourself, you know, that that's not true. You know, that yeah. your parents loved you and did the best they could. So I, I have a really hard time believing that I run my life unconsciously based on that mm-hmm. myth that my six-year-old self told myself, you know? Well, obviously I can't tell you, you know, what's going on inside, but I can tell you is logically understanding, especially as you become a parent and you're like, oh yeah, I get how <laughs> impossible <laughs> this job is. Right. Right. Um, and I just want to be really clear. This is not like a knock on your parents or saying they're good or bad, right or wrong. Like I'm not, this is not any, I get that because a parent could do their very best and the kids still interpret it in a, in a way that, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. What I am inviting you to the idea of is understanding it from our adult self. Like, oh yeah, my parents, they were stressed because there was a baby and then my sister mm-hmm. had some behavior stuff and blah, blah, blah. That's not inner child work. That's drawing the awareness of like, oh, this is 
this kind of feels like the same thing. This feels like just a repeating of this kind of pattern. I'm just playing it out elsewhere. Like, but that's the first step, Mm -hmm. right? You can't heal emotion with logic. And a lot of times, especially for um, folks in my community who are like, done a lot of personal development and they're like, Mm -hmm. I understand a lot of this stuff. Like they might even say I've done inner child work, but Mm -hmm. nothing changes. I have all this awareness, blah, blah, blah. And again, like you don't know what you don't know. So to get to that place of where then you're saying I need to cry. (laughs) Well, if you need to cry, that's probably an emotional release that you have to feel emotion with emotion. And so I wouldn't want you to write off well, you know, because I know this, because I'm a parent now and I Mm -hmm. see how hard it is. And I see that my parents are doing the best they could. Like, that's all true. Like that doesn't, none of this negates any of that. Mm -hmm. But I also want you to invite the idea of there's some emotional healing to do here, which is different than connecting the dots and not having an understanding. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Does it feel the same way in your body? Like when you're trying to quote unquote win in the relationship or playing out that dynamic of whatever it is. And when you were younger, I'm sorry. I don't, I didn't understand the question. So, you know, when you're wanting to win or playing out whatever dynamic it is in your relationship, you probably feel something in the body, right? You might feel a little bit of anxiety. You might, you know, from them like pulling away or whatever. So you might feel that clenching in your heart, you know, Mm-hmm. clenching in your stomach, you might feel something, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you can feel like, if that feels familiar, like if you felt that before, you know, when you were four years old, writing this letter to your parents or just another incident or another experience, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. that's a direct connection that's still there. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's still there? I'd have to explore that a little bit. I haven't mm-hmm. explored I just am very little, most of my inner child work has been, like you said, logical, heady. I have done very little like uh, embodied inner child work. So I would have to explore that more to be able to really answer your question. Yeah, that's well, but um, I imagine that when I do, the answer will be yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you don't have to, you know, answer questions to appease me, but I will say that this is often you know, the missing link. And again, I'm not trying to knock like the work you've done to connect the dots because like, again, you don't know what you don't know. And just to create that awareness is, is huge because it's hard to then learn when you don't know. Right. So, so Mm -hmm. let's just do this before we wrap up. Go ahead and. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue You can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And whether it's the letter writing or some other, you know, experience or time in your childhood. I just want you to bring whatever age comes to mind. When you think of the dynamic that you play out in your relationships and how that feels, just whatever age that reminds you of. And do you go back to that little girl writing the letters? Mm -hmm. Okay. And how old are you there? Remind me. Um, First grade. So like six, maybe seven. Okay. Okay. So let's just bring your um, six or seven-year-old self into your mind's eye. And let's just start by telling me what you see when you when you bring her into your mind's eye. Um, you mean like physically? Yeah. Like, yeah. And in whatever way you interpret it, what do you see? You know, I see myself with my thin blonde hair and 
Uh, one of my favorite dresses, white with blue flowers on it. Scab knees. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how does she feel? What's going through her mind? What's going through her heart? Um, just pretty confident, pretty like, I remember thinking around that same time that I was like, almost a grown up, like I just needed to learn how to drive and write checks. And I pretty much figured this thing out. <laughs> It was the oldest, which I'm sure you've already figured out by this conversation. So it was, a, you know, caretaker. And what I did had, she get out of being the caretaker? I had good friends and, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. What did she get out of being the caretaker? A sense of accomplishment and a sense of belonging and a, you know, pleasing of the parents. Mm-hmm. And what did she need? A little special time like a little one-on-one with my parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. There you go. I found it. That's (laughs) one of the things I um, keep saying seeking for in relationship is like a, a cocoon. Like um, I don't want a partner that's totally in my life in all aspects. Like I don't, my kids don't need a daddy kind of thing, but I want a little um, cocoon place to be there and be in that relationship when it compartmentalized from the rest of my life. And um, that feels very much like uh, what I would have wanted then Um, a little time away from the rest of it. Yeah. And it seems like you took on the role as big sister you know, to try to get that, take care of your, um, you know, not just even being the big sister, just being like, I can do this and I can do that. And I can just mm-hmm. be like this spunky little girl. And, and mm-hmm. you know, there's obviously um, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I think underneath some of that, there was this desire of that cocoon mm-hmm. with your parents. Yeah. And you were doing so much for other people. You just wanted someone to hold you. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a theme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what you're playing out in these relationships. Mm-hmm. So the work here, probably not gonna be surprised. <laughs> but but you know, the work there is to accept it from somebody who's willing to give it and not just um not seek it from people that I have to win it from. Yes, and you start by doing this for yourself and reparenting yourself. And again, this is not like mitigating your parents or making them wrong or bad. Um, It's about connecting with that little girl and giving her that little cocoon because there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to receive that from somebody else. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. Like that's part of a normal, healthy relationship and a real desire that you have where it can get you into trouble is when another person and or relationship becomes your sole source for that. And that's what creates the anxious attachment. Right. Because you're like, I need this. I need this. I need this. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're able to create some of that cocoon, like feeling energy for yourself and for your inner child specifically, then when you go and seek that in a relationship, it's obviously wonderful and a good sign if you're able to get that. And if you're not able to get that, it's so much easier to then pull yourself away and be like, you know what? This is not, not for me. Mm -hmm. This person's not going to be able to give me what I want without me breaking my back. And even then they're probably still not be able to give it to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I do that, but I'm listening to you. Like I, I, like I love my hobbies and I, I know I'd never choose a, relationship that I couldn't go out with my friends or like I said, I want it to be really compartmentalized. I don't want it, my kids involved. And, um, and I, I would never let a relationship take over in that way. But I think the um, missing part or the part I've never consciously addressed is the um, cocoon feeling, I guess. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have to and, figure and- out how I can feel that myself because that uh that I think that'll be hard because the little girl in me wanted 
you know, a parent there to cocoon with me. So, um, well, yeah, I'll have to work on that. That's definitely, definitely yeah. You are the the parent for your inner Mm -hmm. child. So, and, and, and like you've raised your kids, you know how to do this. You can do this. Well, I know how to give it, you know, how to be the, to be the cocoon. I don't, I don't know how to create that out of nothing. <laughs> One really easy way to start visualizing it is just to have a picture of yourself. So age six or seven, mm-hmm. to be exact, but it can just be as simple as putting a picture up. You know, if you have a space where you do your meditations or journaling or whatnot, you know, just put her picture up. And then when you do your meditations or journaling or whatever that you do, you know, it can just be to start with just holding your hand over your heart and just looking at her and just sending her lots and lots of cocoon love energy. Okay. I'll do that. (laughs) It's a really, really simple, you know, easy step. And I will say like this work is, it can be hard, but it's not rocket science either. Right. It's hard because it's uncomfortable and because it might feel a little weird. And so in that respect, or, you know, in that case, like I just encourage you just to breathe mm-hmm. because you're, you're also learning how to, you're relearning how to receive love, right? Cause you're used to like this hot, cold dynamic mm-hmm. on off highs, lows. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that thrill of the high mm-hmm. can really be mistaken for love. Whereas love is I don't do that anymore I did when I was younger but I I, I recognize oh, that now I, I really do but Good. I'm still attracted to it yeah okay mm-hmm. okay so I think you're much further along than you think you are <laughs> I'm excited for you to start dating soon you. You totally can people are I don't know where you are but people are vaccinated you're vaccinated mm-hmm. um things are like I mean you could have dated before too, but I understand why you didn't want to, (laughs) but I just want you to just notice when you say, Oh, I'm anxiously attached or I'm this, or I'm that. And Mm -hmm. just bring it back to little girl and just give her lots of cocoon and, and operate from that place rather than like, I'm going to try to not play into this pattern or not do that. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. So what'd you learn? I learned that I'm too heady in my approach and that I, my desire to have lists and um, bumper rails is going to keep me always at a surface level of connection with a part potential partner. And that unless I'm willing to go deep, I'm going to be stuck in this pattern and that um, starting to change can be really really simple. Just a couple minutes a day of um, some loving kindness to myself. Yeah. 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 And your bumper rails can just simply be yes or no. Mm -hmm. So does this feel like a yes, which usually feels light and fun. (laughs) (laughs) That felt so relieving right there. That felt like a huge weight off my shoulders. That's a yes. (laughs) That is a yes. Whereas a no like feels, I mean, it's gonna be different for everybody, but if you ever watched a scary movie and you're like, don't go in the basement, right? like, you know what a no feels like, right. <laughs> keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I actually think for most people, the less you can be like, oh, I need this person, this kind of thing. And that kind of thing, just get all in our head. Is this a yes or is this a no? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. And like, it doesn't have to make logical sense. You don't have to logically justify it. Something might feel like a yes. And you're like, I'm not really sure why, but it feels like a yes. I'm going to go with it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things might feel like a no. And you're like, I'm not really sure why. Cause on paper, he seems great, but right. I'm just going to go with it. Cause it's a no, right. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. you need to do. That's easy enough. <laughs> That's not a 10 item checklist. So. <laughs> oh, oh God, no, <laughs> Lord, no. <laughs> all right, my dear. Well, thank you okay. so much. I hope this was helpful. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Thank you. I really appreciate it. If you like what you hear in these kinds of episodes, imagine what we could do if it was just you and me working together over many months. Listen, I know what it's like to feel stuck and hopeless in your love life. I remember throwing everything in my love life in the hopes that something will stick and I'd finally catch a break. 
It wasn't until I stopped changing up my profile for the millionth time or telling myself that next time will be different from the millionth time that things actually start to shift for me. In order to find deep love, you've got to do the deep work. And through my own experience of crappy dating, helping hundreds of women before you and my expertise in inner child work, I can help you make the inner shifts you need to get the outer shifts you want. When you work with me, we dig into your past relationships, your childhood, and deep-rooted beliefs so we can unravel your relationship patterns and get you into the deep love you want to be in. It doesn't matter if you've done this kind of work for years and haven't figured it out yet, or you're newer in the personal growth space. What matters is that you're done with being where you are now and you're ready to invest time, money, and energy into dramatically up-leveling your love life. If that sounds like what you want, I invite you to set up an introductory coaching call with me so we can see if one-on-one coaching is right for you. I've got limited spots available, so please don't put this off if this is something that you want this year. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to schedule your call. That's veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. Talk soon. And in the meantime, let's get back to the episode. Thank you so much, Sabrina, for coming onto the show. I so appreciate your vulnerability and patience as we got to really the root of what you're experiencing in your love life. All right. So I know a lot of you have read books like Attached or other attachment theory books. And I haven't read the book that Sabrina referred to, but I just, you know, here's the thing. I I always hesitate because I get asked about this book, especially attached, but really any attachment book so often. And I never want to say, oh, don't read that book. You know, I never want to come across as like, oh, only I knew everything, which obviously is not true. I also don't want to come across as like learning is bad, knowledge is bad, because obviously like that stands against, you know, all my values and everything that I, you know, try to teach in in this show and and the work that I do. Um, But the reason why I hesitate is for two reasons. One, with personality quizzes, they're so helpful. You know what I mean? Like whether we're talking about something like attached or Myers-Briggs that's more scientifically backed, or if we're talking about something a little bit more woo, like astrology, they can be so helpful because sometimes it can be like, oh yes, that's it. That's what I experienced. And it helps you put words to your experiences. So then you can begin talking about them and thinking about them in a different way. So you can actually shift the pattern. So there's so much power, I think, that you can get from taking these types of quizzes or just doing this self-inquisitive kind of work. The problem is sometimes I think we can overly identify like, oh, I'm a people pleaser, therefore. I'm anxiously attached, therefore. I'm a Capricorn son, therefore. I'm like this or I'm like that. And I've talked a lot about on this show that when we overly identify with whatever our pattern is, then it makes it so much harder to shift because the energy is very different between being like, I'm a people pleaser versus I had people pleasing tendencies. And I know it sounds like semantics, but it's really, truly not. It's it's really a difference. And this is just who I am and how it is. And I just got to learn how to deal with it and learn how to find a relationship with it. Or it's like, yeah, in the past, I have these tendencies. And I know I have these tendencies because of XYZ thing that happened in my past relationship or XYZ thing that happened in my childhood. And then from there, it's like, okay, I just created this behavior because of this reason. And now I can shift the behavior because this reason isn't true anymore. I'm not living at my dad's house. I'm not living in my mom's house, whatever it is. So listen, whether it's books like Attached, other attachment theory books, or personality quizzes, even my quiz, like, yes, use them, learn from them. But I just really implore you to not either A, see those things as like the silver bullet and like the answer you've been looking for, or B, as something that you're going to get overly identify with, uh, because I think that's actually going to be an impediment in the work that you do. All right, you guys, you might be able to hear there's a thunderstorm outside. There is thunder as we speak. So uh, hopefully it just adds to the ambiance of this episode and it's not too distracting. I'm not even sure if you'll be able to hear it, but I think you might be able to because the thunder is pretty loud. Anyways, so Sabrina didn't think she needed to do more inner child work because now as a parent, she finally understands what her parent situation was and they were good parents and they also had a lot on their plate. And so they weren't always able to provide emotionally what she needed. And now she can kind of understand that she can put herself in their shoes. And so she thought, you know what, that part of me, that part of me is healed. It's, it's done with. But I knew there was something behind the letter writing. I knew there was something behind, you know, the attachment with attachment styles, even though the quiz even said she, you know, had a secure attachment. So finally, a click for Sabrina and this idea of just wanting to be held, the cocoon, have special time with her parents. And she didn't always get that. And so like any other human on earth, when you don't feel that love, safety, or belonging, 
you're going to do something to try to feel those things. And so that's where the letter writing comes in. That's where taking care of her siblings come in. And just by the way, I just want to interject here. Sometimes we're really good at giving others what we actually need ourselves the most. So the important thing here to note is that you can't heal emotion with logic. You know, becoming an adult, becoming a parent yourself, understanding, oh, now I really get what it's like to have kids and also a job and have to deal with my marriage and money and the house and the dog and whatever else. Yeah, there is definitely a lot on your plate as a parent. And you might really, really deeply understand that once you become a parent yourself or whatever it is. But that doesn't mean her 10 year old self ultimately ended up getting what she needed. You know, that 10 year old self was still playing itself out in her relationships, which was creating some of the overgiving kind of behavior. Because again, we tend to give to others and do for others in relationship, what we ultimately need to give ourselves what our inner child needs the the most. So connecting the dots is huge, but that alone won't get you to where you want to go. You must do the emotional work. You cannot think your way out of it. You cannot affirmation your way out of it. You cannot use mantras your way out of it. Yes, mantras and affirmations uh, and reframing the thoughts are super, super helpful, but you also have to go a layer deeper. And if you want to heal the emotion and the emotion is really so much the driver of our behavior and our patterns and our actions, then we have to meet that with emotion in itself in the healing process. So the other thing that I want to mention is the big aha that Sabrina had. So she had an aha around the cocooning. That's really where things begin to click for her in terms of how her inner child is playing out and the deeper reasoning behind some of the patterns that she's been experiencing both in her relationships and then of course with her her ex-husband. And The thing is, is that sometimes some of the more surface level patterns we have like, oh, like, yeah, I'm anxiously attached or, oh, I'm Capricorn sun or whatever, or also being the caregiver can actually really play into some things that seem unrelated. So I think the cocooning thing is a really good example. So she really wanted to be held. She really wanted to feel that cocoon feeling. Why do we, why does she want to feel like that? Well, because she's human. And so therefore she wants to feel the love, safety and belonging. All of our patterns, whatever your pattern is, always roots down to one of those three things, if not all three. Okay, so when she wasn't getting that cocoon, that special time with her parents, she didn't feel the love, safety and belonging that she needed to feel. And so what is she going to do to mitigate that? So one of the things she did was became the caretaker. She really took care of her sister. Uh, she, She said she was like a six year old going on 36. That gives her somewhere to channel her her loneliness or frustration or sadness or whatever it was from not getting what she needed from her parents. It also gives her a role to play. And when we have a role to play, it's often so much easier to feel safe, to feel like you belong or to feel like you're loved. So for example, I can actually be quite shy in a very social environment. So like if I'm in like, if I'm at a party or a bar and there's like dozens of people or even definitely hundreds of people, I can have a lot of anxiety. I can feel very, very shy, very like, Oh God, don't know what I'm doing here. I can get up in front of a room of 500 people and give a presentation or teach a yoga class or talk about this kind of stuff, like no problem at all. Why? Because there's a safety in the role that I'm playing versus like just being like, hey, I have to socialize, you know, that's for me a lot more difficult than having this very defined role of standing in front of a room of people and talking or teaching on something that I know about. So that's just another, that's just an example I just wanted to give you of how a role that we take on or is given to us can actually be somewhat of a a security blanket. And so I think that this overgiving, this caretaking, whether it was her current partner or her children or um, her sister or whoever else in her life, like that's all just a security blanket to help her feel loved, safe, and like she belongs. And I think that this pattern will keep playing out, keep playing out until she does the inner child work to heal it. So she's able to fulfill that for herself. Not to say that your partner isn't meant to make you feel loved or safe or like you belong. Yes, that's part of being in a relationship, but they're certainly not your sole source of being able to feel like that. And I think sometimes the labels can um, serve a very similar role to roles that we inadvertently give ourselves throughout the course of our life and in various relationships. All right, my dear, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope it gave you something to think about in terms of the roles that you play in your relationships, the roles you have played in your relationships. And what is it really about? What are you really trying to get from from fulfilling those roles? And again, it's not to say that you shouldn't be giving in a relationship or that it's bad to be giving in a relationship, but it is important to know what the come from is. And just because, you know, for example, acts of service might be your love language, that doesn't mean you just have to be like an act of service the entire time you're in a relationship. The other person that you're in partnership, you know, 
obviously you want to have a conversation, but you deserve to receive that love in the form of acts of service or whatever your love language is as well. So lots of things to think about. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Just I know that it was a little bit longer than normal. And I just want to make sure you can listen to it and get on with what else you need to do during the day. I hope you enjoyed the thunderstorm. Uh, I don't know if you heard it, but I love thunderstorms. But if you heard it, I hope it was just adding to the ambiance and relaxed you and calmed you a little bit. Anyways, that's all I've got for you. I will talk to you next week in a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection. Until then. If you've got it all but love, you're ready to uplevel your love life and the work we did in this episode resonates, I want you to strongly consider working with me one-on-one. You'll never hear me say, you just got to get out there more or you got to love yourself more. Working together is your opportunity for me to guide you in doing the deep work so you can transform your love life from the inside out. I actually don't care what app you're on or what your texting game is like or how many dates a month you go on. I care about doing the deep work so you can attract a deep love. I meet you right where you are, hold your hand and hold you accountable throughout the process. So if you're looping or feeling stuck in your patterns and can psychoanalyze yourself to death, I can get you to where you want to go. If you're serious about finding love in the next 12 months and are ready to invest time and money into yourself, I invite you to set up an introductory coaching call with me so we can explore if working together is the next right step for you. You can learn more and schedule your consult at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. That's veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. If you're looking for links or resources mentioned in the show, you can find them in the show notes at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And if you love this episode, please subscribe and rate and review wherever you listen. It really helps me to grow the show. Thank you so much in advance. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection podcast. And until then, sending you lots of love. 